This episode is brought to you by North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas Honda Dealers, they're here to help. He has time, launches it to the end zone. Touchdown, Terrence Williams. Goes to the right side for Crabtree. It's caught. He put, oh, he's going hard. Welcome to the Republic of Football. I'm your host, Ishmael Johnson, here in studio, half awake with Mike Craven. Mike, how are you doing, man? I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing? Uh, I'm lasting. Uh, you know, we got a couple more weeks for the magazine. Send that off. Uh, a lot of, uh, I'm trying to wrap up basically everything I have now within the next like day or two. So that's been, that's been really fun. Uh, and over there, it's producer Mal Pal. Mallory, hi. Hi. I'm tired, but not for the same reason you guys are tired. So... <laughs> You're just, doing a adult gym class. Gym, I am. I had my adult. I yeah, I had my adult gymnastics class last night, and I um I did something I wasn't supposed to be doing, and I did hurt myself. Oh. So I think I'm just gonna step back for a little bit. What's the average age of a person at adult gymnastics class? We're the oldest ones there. We well, we are usually the only two there. I mean, my friend, mm. so 23. Okay. There was one lady that came in that was about. 35 and oh, she wow. could still do like a, a simple flip yeah. and we were very impressed because when you i feel like when you hit that age it's like it's, oh yeah there's a real i mean like i feel like when i hear adult gymnastics i feel like that starts at like 17 right. <laughs> like because because like you you get to a certain age where you're just like you're just not that flexible right. anymore once you hit your 30s like everything right. starts hurting so you don't even want to yeah. do it anymore hey, so pretty, very, preaching <laughs> in the choir <laughs> i was gonna say you both are 30 over there so <laughs> i was gonna i was gonna say <laughs> how, how can you preach for that <laughs> All right. no but i feel like yeah every like i hear adult gymnastics and i'm like oh okay so like as soon as you turn like 12 like right. basically that's an adult right, gymnastics right. almost so now um, we're, we're chugging away yeah impressive videos by the way you're, you're thank st- you you still, you still got some flexibility i do some, some athleticism besides my hurt knee cheerleading days yeah it's fun that's fun yeah you're definitely the only one in the office i can do any of that stuff so it's big flex. It's a big flex. Uh, if, so, if we opened yeah. up my knee right now, it'd look like Lay's potato chips. <laughs> and so, you know, just, bag. <laughs> you know, like, it would that's, not be good. That's hilarious. Uh, so we're uh, we're gonna not, not going to have an interview this week. Uh, hopefully we have, actually we do more or less have next week booked, correct? Yes. Okay. Yes. So we will, I mean, I can just go ahead and tease it right now. Well, David Bailiff of uh, Texas A&M Commerce. I don't care. Um, it's a good hint. Yeah, it's a great hint. <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> just, if you need just... any more hints, I don't know what to tell you. Um, but no, that should be a great conversation. Uh, we'll have that for you guys next week. This week, we'll just have some headlines, some discussions, just to give you guys something to listen to heading into our final week of press and uh, uh, magazine content. And a lot of reading right now for a lot of people too, doing final checks as far as... Uh, as far as that side of the business is concerned. How much smoother is it for you now than maybe year one? Uh, Yeah, definitely a lot smoother because it was just me, Tepper, and Max. And so, yeah, I mean, geez, because we, of course, with a college writer, you know, we used to delegate all that out. And so, yeah. like, waiting for that stuff and then, like, you know, now. I was always on time. Hey, yeah, you were. Yeah, credit <laughs> to you. Um, but, yeah, no, it definitely is a lot more streamlined now with, like, all of recruiting with powers now and yep. like it's it's yeah so much better so much better so definitely a fan of that um but by the way there was some breaking news that uh some small breaking news uh that happened before we went on 
the NCAA announced the Division One Council uh, that we hinted at this last last episode. Uh, they did officially relax the restrictions for FBS pro conferences to decide their own championship games. So this actually went down uh, 1.57 p.m. on May 18th uh, today. And yeah, so and soon after, uh, the Pac-12 officially announced that they're scrapping divisions. So they're basically that is awesome. Yeah. So they're basically saying because that's done them in in the past couple of years, Mm -hmm. I'd say, is two of their best teams do not play (laughs) typically in the championship game. So they're nixing it and saying, nope, we're picking our two best teams and we'll just go from there. Um, That's obviously a big potentially later on down the line. Now, right now, I think a lot of conferences are probably okay with their divisions right now. Um, but later on, especially when, let's say, Texas and Oklahoma go to the SEC, we'll see what happens with that that conference, whatever the Big 12 decides to do, if they just decide to keep it in divisions, um, Conference USA, Sunbelt, whatever, I think it is more valuable overall. Big 10. Big I was going to say, Big 10 needs to, yeah, 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 they need to get rid of. They, yeah, they definitely do. It's a double-edged sword, though, right? Because sure. you're going to get more viewership, mm-hmm. and you're going to get a better game that if you win that game, boosts the resume of that top team you're trying to send to the college football playoff. Right. It also makes that game harder. Sure. Right. So if you're Ohio State and Michigan, you play mm-hmm. like a really good game that last week of the season. Under this new format, you probably just turn around and play, play again. again the next week. It's hard yeah. to beat a team twice in a row. Yep. Will that end up hurting a team, right? Where mm-hmm. Ohio State's like – Let's say it's Ohio State. They're undefeated. They're going to that Big Ten championship game, and they would have played, I don't know, Wisconsin right. or something. Well, now you got to play Michigan again. You go one and one, and now you don't get a, a bid into the. It'll it'll see. It'll be interesting to see kind of how they they weigh those positives and negatives, pros and cons. Yeah, I yeah. think I think there's, it's not always. I wonder how it's going to affect Group of Five as well because it's not always like you don't always get. Like in the uh, uh, Sunbelt, you don't always get Louisiana versus Coastal, the two best teams mm-hmm. who happen to be in different divisions. Like you don't always get that, right? Sometimes Louisiana and Coastal may be in the same division in certain, you know, in certain situations. And so, not everything breaks that way. And so, I will be curious to see in the next couple of years. The Pac-12 was the one that made the most sense right away. Divisions have kind of screwed them over for a while now, and it makes sense now that especially USC, if they turn into a couple of years back to what we're used to. Um, it makes sense that they'll want to put them in position and maybe yeah. if they do make some type of jump to make the playoff. Mm-hmm. Let them beat Utah twice. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, 100%. Um, I wonder, yeah. before we move on, uh, and I, maybe this is in the article and I haven't read it yet because, as you it, said, it, was just it, just, a it just came. It wasn't anything, yeah. um, I wonder if they can do it by year-by-year year basis. Oh, that's a good question. And like yeah. how how early you need to define that. Right. Uh, because yeah. there's some years where the divisions work out fine and it's like perfect and everything's good. There's some years where maybe it doesn't work out la- that way. I just wonder if you as like the Big Ten commissioner could look at the landscape and go, mm-hmm. and the East stinks this year, so mm-hmm. let's go mm-hmm. to this way. Or do you get to decide that week eight? You know, yeah. like that's when, interesting. how yeah. early do you have to do that? So it'll be interesting to see if you just scrap them all together or if it's a year-by-year kind of situation. Mm-hmm. Sure, mm-hmm. sure. Uh, Chris Vanini from The Athletic tweeted out uh, the Pac-12 news, uh, the news release. He said the 2022 schedules will remain the same for them. Um, and he also said that Pac-12 says its championship game would have had different teams in it five of the last 11 years without yeah. divisions. So, wow. Yeah. Um, actually, this one just came in. Uh, we talked about this last week too. Of NCAA is officially removing recruiting class size limits for the next two years. Wow! So that is some pretty big, yeah. uh, pretty big news as well. Too. It has it's to happen. Yeah, it has, it has to, to happen with, with, with those COVID year guys falling off the roster so and all many. the transfers and stuff like that. We yep. would just see an imbalance of rosters where some teams had ninety scholarships, some teams had fifty. You just mm-hmm. you got to figure out a way to kind of bridge that gap, and hopefully, in a couple of years when the COVID year guys are all gone, then you can go back to kind of normal. Sure, I think I think two years is a good window because we're already 
we're kind of removed from that. Yeah. You know, we're starting to lose those type of eligibility guys anyway. And so another two years and they probably should be yeah. out. So uh, according to him, the teams must still be at 85 scholarships for the season. Um, and of course, this is a result of schools losing players due to transfer pandemic issues. So uh, a couple of breaking news items. Look at we- the NCAA doing some smart, common sense <laughs> stuff. Exactly. You lose a couple court battles. Yeah. You, you the the inmates start running the asylum. Yep. And now it's like, oh, well, let's just have a common sense approach. <laughs> to sports well, like let's amazing not get, let's not get too carried away we got the nil stuff coming soon, that's true which, yeah. which uh, yeah. uh, ross dillinger i think hinted at that so let's just celebrate right back to being very stupid let's just celebrate today yeah let's <laughs> celebrate right now because tomorrow some really dumb news might drop. <laughs> uh anyway we're gonna have some topics of discussion kind of today uh speaking of transfers we we were kind of wondering looking at kind of the the landscape you have texas more or less remaking its offense you have SMU kind of remaking its uh, some of its skill positions and things like that. Well, that brings up a topic. Who are two or three transfers you're most interested in watching this year, this fall? Uh, Craven, you can go ahead and start. You had you're the you're the one that had the, the kind of suggested the topic, and you kind of had some interesting names that uh, I kind of I agree with as well. Yeah, I think first on my list is Kamar Wheaton. Uh, as a former recruiting guy who watched him, you know, at, at Garland Lakeview Centennial. I mean, he was excellent. And sometimes in recruiting, you can, like, if you show up to a game and they go off, right, mm-hmm. you think they're great, you show up to a game. And, well, the first thing I ever saw Kamar Wheaton do was return a kickoff 102 yards, mm-hmm. right? Like, I walked in the stadium, he received the kickoff, he, like, just, ra- you know, it was like, ah, oh, he's good. Yep. Yeah. And so anytime a program like SMU can add a five-star running back with four years of eligibility from Alabama, my ears are going to perk mm-hmm. up. I'm going to want to see that. Especially they use lose Ulysses Bentley. Um, so with Trey Siggers, Tyler Levine there, uh, I think he can come in and probably be a starter, or at least a guy who gets 15, 20 carries a game and can really change the the outlook of that offense and, mm-hmm. and take pressure off Tanner Mordecai. Uh, also at running back, Amani Bailey. You know, mm-hmm. TCU lost Zach Evans to Ole Miss, obviously. Um, I think Sonny Dykes is going to do kind of like a, you know, a stable of running backs. You know, Kendra yeah. Miller's like really good. I think he'll kind of be, you know, the bell cow, quote unquote. Um, but Bailey, you know, he's a smaller, faster, quicker kind of guy who can catch the ball out of the backfield. I think that'll re- be really beneficial in a Dykes offense. Uh, so he'll, he will be interesting. And then last one for me is Isaiah Nayor at, at Texas, the wide mm-hmm. receiver. Mm-hmm. You know, last year it was Xavier Worthy or nobody, basically, for the Texas offense. And I know Quinn Ewers is going to get a lot of the headlines. We may mention him here in a little bit. But for me, for Texas, it's about offensive line and weapons. Mm-hmm. And with Nayer out there now, all of a sudden, Xavier Worthy may not see as many double teams. Sure. Um, maybe Jordan Whittington can stay healthy and, and really round out that wide receiving core. So, uh, for me, those three guys are going to be really interesting, especially on the offensive side of the ball. I think it may be easier to kind of step in and have an immediate impact, you know, at running back, wide receiver. You don't, it's not just one guy, mm-hmm. you know, you can be part of a unit. So, those three guys are, are three guys that just off the top of my head really kind of stick out as guys I want to see uh, develop in these new offenses. Yeah. I think Wheaton. It's so hard to get lost in that backfield in Alabama, right? Like yeah. It's, there's so much talent there year to year that I'm I. It would not shock me if they just let one slip the cracks and like he ends up being really legitimately great for SMU. Um, mm-hmm. And he'll get some, like you said, he'll get some plenty of touches uh, early on. Uh, for me, I'm gonna go with Jake Bailey at SMU. Yeah. Um, that was one of mine. I think mm-hmm. yeah. I think that you add him to that offense and especially. I think he's in a perfect situation where he doesn't have to be the guy like he was necessarily at Rice. Um, yep. He's not going to be the number one target. He's not going to be the guy that, you know, oh, we lost this game because Jake Bailey didn't get 10 catches yeah. or whatever, right? He's He'll gonna, get to play the slot. Exactly. He'll get to fit in, be that second, third guy. Like, that is a perfect scenario for him. 
And especially when SMU has more like explosive players on the field where you're like, oh, crap, we forgot about Jake Bailey. You know, like I think that's the perfect situation for him. I got Josh White at Baylor. Yep. Um, they're kind of in need of somebody to be that next star role, uh, kind of that next breakout player for them. And I think he's the type of player that could kind of rekindle something that maybe wasn't happening at LSU for him. Um, and so I, I kind of look for him to – and, of course – He's under the right coach that's going to get that done, too. Well, Aranda's the one that recruited him to LSU. Yeah. So so, so a linebacker that Aranda, from a very early age, knew fit mm-hmm. into the system he was he was trying to have. Yes. And then this one, uh, Brandon Campbell, Houston. Um, we're looking at a guy who needs – or we're looking at an offense that needs somebody in that backfield to step up now that Alton McCaskill is going to be out. Again, similar to – Jake Bailey, he's not going to be asked to be the guy of that offense, right? You have a stable quarterback. You have an mm-hmm. explosive wide receiver. You just need to give them some balance. You need to give them something on those down, uh, you know, down to down plays where you're not airing the ball out. If he can give them something, right? He's it's similar. He's not as highly touted of a prospect as Kamar Wheaton was, but he's similar in the mold where it's like, okay, that kid can play from what I saw in high school. He went to USC. He was good enough for USC. He should be good enough to produce at some level. He's still young as well. Still has plenty of potential. Um, so I'm going to go with those three for me. You mentioned SMU and Houston in there, and I, I think it's important to point out that I believe that those two schools are the best position to take advantage of the transfer portal. Yes. Sure. Being in Dallas, being in Houston, they're the perfect yeah. kind of second landing spot, mm-hmm. you know, for guys like Kamar Wheaton, for guys like Brandon Campbell that, you know, one went to Alabama, one went to USC. For whatever reason, they don't work out there. Now you get to go home, mm-hmm. right? Now Houston's landing a running back they probably wouldn't have been able to recruit. SMU's right. landing a running back there they weren't able to recruit. So I think the transfer portal by and large helps everybody, but it definitely helps places that already create talent now you can come back home i think sunny dykes kind of started that when you sure. went to smu yeah. like it's kind of even before like the covid years and all that stuff like he kind of made smu that kind of bastion for the second chance guys and uh it helped flourish that program and i read lashley is obviously taking uh taking advantage of it and because i think he saw how it worked under sunny dykes he was like well that was a great strategy their battles are going to be great Mm -hmm. in the transfer portal, you know, because they're both transfer portal guys, or at Mm -hmm. least guys who will embrace it, right? If this is how it's going to be, let's, let's figure out our our best way to do it. Um, And so you can see it on social media, Mm -hmm. you know, where like Dykes is kind of, you know, the big DFW's big 12 team, you know, and then SMU is like actual Dallas's Dallas's team, team, you know? And so like, you can kind of, you know, those guys are friends, you know, they were talking during the coaching change and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. So, those battles will be interesting because they run similar offenses. They have similar ideas and plans for what a program is going to look like. And they're both in DFW and they're going to be fighting over a lot of those, you know, like we talked about, um, just kind of not retreads, but guys who are from this area that left for whatever reason. Cause when you're 17, sometimes leaving home is a really like fine talk, you know, it's like, sure. I, I want to leave home. Right. And then you're 20 and it's like, I'd like to go back home. Right. Like home wasn't that bad. And right. so, uh, Houston, DF, Houston, SMU, TCU, I think, are, are teams really poised to to do the transfer portal well. Now, I, was gonna, I have a question real quick uh, about that. Now, does that change a little bit for Houston when they eventually make the move to the Big 12? Well, I think Holgerson would say he hopes that he wins more of those battles first. Right. Like Brandon Campbell doesn't go to USC and then have to come to Houston. Like a Matthew Golding, we're going to get him right. Mm-hmm. Matthew Golden, we're going to get him right now before yeah. he even heads out. Right. So, But I don't think it ever stops – because there's always going to be guys le- like you're always going to lose some of those dudes to A&M or LSU or Alabama or Texas or USC. Um, they, at Houston, you're just not you're just not going to get most likely. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now you can get them the second time, and sometimes that's even better. You don't have mm-hmm. to deal with the scholarship the first year or two. You get them as a 20 year old, 
who's already kind of ironed out maybe some maturity stuff or whatever. Right. Uh, I think I think Houston kind of goes overlooked with how well they've they've used the transfer portal. And I, I think they continue to, to use it. But I do think they start recruiting better and maybe they don't have to use it as often. Right. Yeah. Right. Do you have any other players, Mallory? I know you mentioned Jake Yeah, Bailey. I had Jake Bailey. Um, I also had a guy, Hall, Alabama, to yep. Texas. Ooh, yes. I think yep. that's yep. been super interesting. You know, at the very least, he can add a little bit of depth to that wide receiver room and give Worthy, you know, a little bit of open space, you know, yeah. maybe not get as, uh, as much double team as he would without them. And then my other one was uh, Latrell Neville to uh, oh, North Texas, yeah. you know, and it, it makes it even that much more interesting with the addition of Grant Gunnell to their offense. He's He's got four years of eligibility left, which is super exciting. And I, I feel like they just haven't really found that guy to step up in the wide receiver room mm-hmm. ever since Jalen Darden, you know, was drafted by Tampa Bay a couple sure. years ago. So it'd be interesting to see if he can, you know, be that guy for them, you know. The Gunnel additions. Yeah, we didn't huge, mention that. Huge yeah. for me. Also, like, I just, I remember putting together the North Texas section yeah. and, and being like, there's just no way. Right, there's no way. Mm-hmm. These are there's, guys. No way there's no way that they run go into 2022 with Austinani, Jace Reuter, and two young transfers at the quarterback position. And, and, yeah. the, and with the amount of transfers now and, and the quarterbacks kind of like, moving around and playing musical chairs. Like they had to find somebody who was an instant upgrade. Yep. And I know that they're going to not going to just outright name him the starter, but I will. Sure. You know, <laughs> because right. like you just don't add a guy like that to yeah. a four person quarterback without the room. intent of him starting. Right. Yeah. And maybe he doesn't, maybe fall camp starts and Seth Luttrell and the offensive guys go, well, he's not who we thought he was, mm-hmm. but you don't, Get him. not only do you not go after him, he doesn't come to you. Right. If there's not some idea of like the job is open, mm-hmm. yeah. maybe it's not just yours to be given, right? But it's yours to come win, mm-hmm. right? And I find it hard to believe that he won't go win it in a room that combined for twelve touchdowns and fourteen interceptions yeah. last sure. year. Latrell did say that it, it's Ani's job, you know, as sure, of sure. right now, it right. is his job, until, right? Until, of course, until somebody takes it, right? Yep. Until yep. that's exactly what I was gonna, until somebody takes it, and I think yep. that Gunnell has a good chance of coming. It's in. It's a way of sticking by his guy, you know. Austin Ani's right. been his guy for two years now, right. and it's like, all right, well, you know, he's not going to just say, yeah, no, he's not going to. Sure. Start. What am I, you know? Right. Um, but I will say, like the thing about Grant Gunnell that coming out of high school, you know, St. Pius down in Houston, like it was always weird to me that he was. I think at one point he was the highest rated quarterback recruit. And that was, that was a little high. Mm-hmm. I think going into, I think his at, probably after his junior year, I think yeah. he was probably that high. I got why he was, you know, yeah. tools, S- right? stats, six, five, six, six, whatever through for like 4,500 yards. Looked great in Looked, shorts and t-shirt. It's, it's and insane. Camps yeah, exactly. Seven on seven. Circuit was great. Like he's like two twenty. He was like two ten in high school. Like really, you looked at me, looked like an NFL quarterback, just like looking at him. Um, obviously his stock fell a little bit, but he was still a very, uh, a solidly rated four star. Uh, I think AM was probably a little too high where originally he was committed to play under Kevin Sumlin, followed Kevin Sumlin to Arizona. Let's not forget, he started at Arizona for two years, mm-hmm. right? He was a freshman and sophomore starting quarterback. Sumlin gets let go. Judge, uh, I forget who's there. Is it Judge? No, it's not Judge. Uh, I forgot the guy's name. Uh, that's how irrelevant he is. Um, but he's some, <laughs> they make that awful hire from the Patriots, I think he was, and I get assistant. I can't even remember. Oh, Joe name. Judge? Was it? Uh, th- no, that's know. the Giants coach. Oh, okay. Um, Jed Fish. There we go. The wide receivers coach from what a name, <laughs> right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Jed, they hired Jed Fish. He's like, all right, cool. I'm out. And so he goes to Memphis. Obviously, what doesn't work out there? They find Seth. Hen- they have Seth Hennigan there, and he was like, okay, cool. Let's try to find somewhere else. I'm going to try to go uh, back to Texas, not necessarily back home, but back to Texas, and we'll see what works out. But you are getting an FBS 
power five starting quarterback mm-hmm. in your room. This isn't a Jace Reuter. This isn't a JD Head, right? Where it's like, oh, they came from power five schools. But they mm-hmm. didn't play, right? And so it was like, there's a mystery with them. With Greg Gunnell, you know what you're getting. You're getting a guy with a big arm who has starting experience and who has multiple years of eligibility left. Like, you know exactly what you're getting. So I think that's a key point. Sure. The multiple years of eligibility. This isn't just like a one-year Band-Aid. Right. You know, if this works out, this is a two-year stopgap, you Mm -hmm. know, and then all of a sudden J.D. Head, those kind of guys, Stone Earl, they get a little bit more time to develop. So all all of a sudden, this North Texas, with those two additions that we mentioned, Mm -hmm. all of a sudden this North Texas, because that offensive line is really good and the running game is going to be fine without DeAndre Torrey, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. Now you add some balance to it, and it's mm-hmm. like, man, this North Tech Conference USA is not that good. Right. The difference between being six and six and nine and three is not all that much, mm-hmm. right? All of a sudden, this North Texas team, if the defense figures it out, and I, I'm a, I live in the Phil Bennett, you know, fan mm-hmm. club, so mm-hmm. I, I just feel like the defense is going to be fine. If they can figure out that passing game, you know, that's all of a sudden a, a real dangerous dark horse in Conference USA. That if I look up and they have a six and two conference record, I wouldn't be too surprised. Yep. Mm-hmm. So we'll keep an eye on that. That's definitely another transfer that will uh, most certainly make a probably the uh, could be the biggest impact of like just in terms yeah. of like a team's ceiling and a team's floor. Like just it could yeah. be one of the biggest impact transfers of in Texas. I, I think if we're talking lane, if we're talking G five, it's yeah. Lane Hatcher, Grant Ganell. Yeah, that's I, I think yeah. those are the yeah. two the two ones that like their their not only do does their program's 2022 season ride on it in some ways their head coach's future at those schools may ride on the success of those two transfer quarterbacks and and that's a fascinating thing to watch going into 2022 yep uh one of the other topics we had was with all the transfers and we mentioned this somewhat last week as well fcs kind of has a transfer problem <laughs> and by problem i mean keeping players there, especially now with NIL. Um, we've now seen two FCS prolific quarterbacks in back-to-back years leave from the state of Texas, leave to go to the uh, uh, the uh, FBS level, one to group of five, one to power five. Um, but, you know, long story short, that took away two stars at the FCS level. Um, you know, obviously we hope Cameron Ward does well at Washington State, but that takes away, you know, from the prestige that, that they would have kind of, or the eyes they would have gotten on the FCS. So, is that the future of FCS football or is there a way to st- stop? That's the wrong word, but maybe establish FCS football as its own thing other than a feeder to the FBS level. I do think it's important to to mention that it's always sort of been this way. Sure. Uh, but it is getting accelerated yeah. and, and you're going to lose quarterbacks specifically. And I think that's the hardest part. Mm. You know, you lose a, an offensive guard, a defensive lineman, a cornerback, even a running back. That's really good. You can, you can figure that out. You lose a court, you know, what does UIW do without Cam Ward? I yeah. mean, I mean, they're going to be good. They were ranked 12th, I think in the sure. preseason FCS poll that came out today. Um, so people really like, but like, man, imagine if they had Cameron Ward, mm-hmm. you know, they're like a top three, top four two school. So, you know, I don't know if it's, if it's some kind of like, you know, eventually there's like a two year minimum, you know, or something like that, mm-hmm. where like the scholarships go for, instead of from year to year, they go like two years or something. And that entices right. guys to stay on campus. Um, but I, I, I don't really know exactly how you do it. I, I think the best way for these FCS teams to kind of go about it is to accept those losses and know you're going to get trickled down as much as guys leave it. Sure. Right. Like yeah. it, does it change the way that you recruit? And I think mm-hmm. that's what maybe changes, right? If you're Stephen F. Austin, and maybe that's a bad example because they're winning football games and have a good culture and stuff, but let's just use SFA. Do you recruit fewer high school guys? Sure. Knowing that 
even if you hit on two or three of those, mm-hmm. they're going to be gone. Yeah. So like, let's go transfer portal. Let's go Juco. Juco let's, yeah. let's figure out a way or to D2. get, get right. Or get D2 to go poach from somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of the Jake Spavadol, right? Like right. I, I'm not going to go waste my time finding this jewel of a running back. Vine is finding his eye on children. Right. He's yes. Leave. Yeah. Right. And so will FCS follow suit? Will right. there'll be fewer and fewer high school spots. I think the transfer portal, we talk about it a lot, probably too much, not mm-hmm. just us, but just in general. Sure. I think recruiting is where it gets interesting because mm-hmm. you only have so many scholarships to use. And so if I'm SFA, if I'm Sam, well, Sam Houston's moving up, if I'm Incarnate Word, if I'm Texas A&M Commerce, I'm starting to recruit instead of 90-10 high school to transfer, mm-hmm. I'm making that 70-30, maybe mm-hmm. even 60-40 and protecting myself from just huge exodus of young guys who, yeah. are, who mm-hmm. are starting. Yeah, that's fair. One thing I've always found interesting was with the FCS to kind of further differentiate itself from the FBS was I'd like the spring season. Oh man, you're preaching in the choir here. I, I, I never really like to talk about it because people hate it. I really enjoyed it. It, yeah. did, it. Like it gives us one, a chance to have a spotlight on there because it's hard to keep track of everything going on in the state every single week in the fall. Splits it up a bit. Yeah, exactly. It splits it up a bit. It gives them broadcast uh, opportunities that they wouldn't otherwise have. People would love some good football as we see with what the XFL and the USFL. damn USFL. <laughs> like those games suck. Yeah. USFL is a money laundering scheme. You can't convince me otherwise. Yeah, yeah no, exactly. 100%. There's nobody there. It's like, where's that money going? Like, exactly, this is, this is, yes. like what are y'all doing? Right. <laughs> we had a former president try to buy a team and ruin the league. Like, like that's, that's a scam. Yeah. Uh, so yes, like I agree. Like we would love, I would love some cohesive football in the spring. I think there is a market for spring football, right? As the original run of the USFL showed, there's a, and, and even the XFL before it got canceled by COVID, people were watching the games. It's just bad, usually. The only <laughs> so arguments you, I've heard is like NFL draft stuff. Sure. Mm-hmm. Fair. Uh, fair and then if you are going to transfer out of there, right. like you played a spring semester, now you got to go right into a right ball. Into the, sure. Right. Unhealthy or whatever. Sure. But yeah, I mean, I'm with you. I One of my things I'm most jealous about Shahan is mm. that he got to cover that yeah, spring that season because you could really, especially with Sam Houston being good and winning a national championship. You can go. You can be like, all right, this yeah, week like, I'm going to this game. And May, this Mary Harden Bailey wins a championship last year, but it's hard. Like, how do you cover that in the middle of bowl games and right. conference championship games and all that kind of stuff? Well, if they're playing on their own spring, I'm there. Mm-hmm. You know, and so, yeah, as a storyteller, uh, I wish we got to do that more, but I just don't know. Logistically, I have no idea how it works. Right. Yeah. But I will pay somebody to figure that out right. for me. So. Yeah. <laughs> Gives us some off-season content. Too. Yeah. yeah. Come on. I, I yeah, like man, that. Co- oh, my God. We'd be covering it right now. I, I know. I do I do think as a player, as a coach, I think I'd like it. Yeah. Sure. Because you, you, you are going to. You get the spotlight. Right. You, you're not used to that. You right. get the spotlight for mm-hmm. the spring. Right. Like Yeah. Imagine college game day. Yeah. Right. Like they'd be going FCS back schools. in the spring. Like yeah. They'd be oh, they're at like Montana versus Montana State. Right. We're going yeah. to Huntsville to cover SFA. Right. Same, you know, oh my God, yeah. that'd be the best. Uh, that'd be yeah. awesome. So that's, that's a, that's a pipe dream on there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> let's end on this. We're going to keep it short this week. Let's end on, if you were, I think this should be a federal position of some kind, sports czar slash NCAA king or queen for a day. I like the word czar. Czar. That yeah. just avoids like the yeah. word czar. <laughs> yeah. Like it's more different. than king or sure. whatever. Like just feels sounds, cooler. Yeah, sounds more sounds more cool. Um <laughs> so if you were king for a day, queen for a day, ruler, czar, you had a chance to change Well, that's the other thing. It's not gender specific. Oh, it's a mm-hmm. is there no czarist? I don't know. I Maybe I just so. admitted how dumb I am. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. I've never <laughs> on heard live of czarist, podcast. So, yeah. Uh 
Sarina. Oh, okay. I like that. That's cool, too. I like that. Sarina. Uh, Anyway, so if you're a czar Sarina of the NCAA for a day, you could change anything. What do you do? Do I go first? Who wants to go first? Yeah, go first. Go first. Okay. Ladies first. Um, If I was Sarina, is that what it's called? Sarina? Yeah. Okay. Sarina. Of the NCAA for a day. Or, or however long. Uh-huh. Um, I mine's a little bit of, of an interesting one, and I you'll see why I, why I chose this one. But mm-hmm. I would uh, offer scholarships to D three because D three doesn't offer um, athletic right. scholarships right now. So, nice. and I know that uh, people know that you know athletes know that going in, right. you know, when they want to play D three football, and usually they're not playing it for the money; they're playing it because they want to keep going, but they're not good enough to go to uh, the next level, D two or even D one. Mm-hmm. But if you want to continue the sport, but you're not good enough to go to that next level, but you still need that financial help and you can't get it from academics or, you know, wherever else, you know, why not offer those? I mean, it, and it doesn't have to be a full ride because, you know, it's probably not going to be. They probably don't have enough money to offer a full ride, mm-hmm. but even just a little bit of help, you know, because they're not allowed to offer D3 athletes any kind of athletic scholarship, I, I think, across all sports. So. Nice. That's something I'd change. I think that should be on the FBS to pay for, honestly. Probably. They yeah. make so, so much money so anyway, right. you know, right. like, right. Say, yes. right, filter it through the system, yeah, you know. Not? Yep. So. I be, I, I'm all for that. that. That sounds great to me. Yeah. Craven, what do you got? I'd eliminate red shirts and just have five years of eligibility. Nice. That's a Actually, good one. Okay. Yeah. You know, like, no red shirt plus four-year stuff. It right. would just be kind of what the COVID year did. You get right. five years. If you play five, great. If you play four, great. Play three, like, whatever. Mm-hmm. Just, there's no no four-game minimum, all this weird stuff. You just play football. Right. Yep. Uh, I think it would help with the scholarship limit stuff. Sure. 100%. Like you don't have to juggle this. Oh, well, he's played three games. Should we play him in his fourth and fifth? Like, what do we do with this guy? You get you get five years of eligibility. One, you get a degree. Yeah. Because not everybody can finish in four years, especially when you're a student athlete. That's mm-hmm. almost impossible for a lot of people. Um, so that extra fifth year, you know, if this is about education and getting degrees to people, that gives them an extra year of scholarship where they can go get a degree. You're probably going to redshirt anyway, so it's going to end up being the same as it is right now. Mm-hmm. But you don't have to do the dumb redshirt sophomore versus this thing. You're just, you know, you got. Three years of eligibility left. Two years of eligibility. Left. That would, that's what I've always wanted to change about college football. Interesting. I like that. Yeah. I got one small one and one bigger one. Uh, the small one is just something that's I would love to implement at all levels of football. Get rid of the dumb touchback. Oh, if it goes in the end zone, yes. it's a touchback. Oh my! It's the worst rule in football. Yeah. Oh, if you have the ball at the one yard line, you fumble through the back of the end zone or whatever. It's, it's a touchback. touchback for the other <laughs> team. No, absolutely not. <laughs> I had a huge rant about this before. How this is a sport that glorifies finishing the play and giving your all, but eh, it's a half play, but we still count it like it. So that's my one small change that I would, that's my day one executive order as it was like no more touchback. It's (laughs) it's now you just get the, the ball just goes back to the 20 offense keeps the ball, but it goes back to the 20. You don't get it on the one anymore. That should be that to me. That's, that's it. Like that, Mm -hmm. that should be fair, right? Offense gets penalized for fumbling the ball, but the defense is getting automatic turnover. Anyway, that's my, that's my uh, small one. The big one, Establish a players' union. Amen. I've established a pro- players' union. Give them autonomy so they could have a representation when it comes to NIL, when it comes to transfers, when it comes to collective bargaining right away. That's I know as a czar, that's not supposed to be the, the, the idea. <laughs> You'd be a bad czar. You would be. <laughs> I'd be an awful czar because I'm arguing on behalf of the constituents. But I would absolutely implement that. Uh, Bud Elliott, I think, had the best uh, – uh, uh, 
way to handle his idea was the best way to handle transfers and all that when it comes to coaches moving. And I think this is something that would be looked into as well. He said, every time you sign your national letter of intent, you mark down your head coach, you mark down your primary recruiter and you mark down your position coach. Any one of those guys leave, you get out of your scholarship. Yep. Like things like that, where it's like Mm -hmm. that would, if players had a union and were able to collectively negotiate that, that'd be something that would be a no brainer. It's like, if the guy who asked pitched me to come here leaves, I get to leave. If the guy who I'm going to be seeing 90% of the day leaves, I'm a, I get to leave. Or the guy that is steering the whole ship, he leaves. I get to leave, right? Those are certain conversations that don't get to happen right now because people just think, oh, the head coach. Well, it's like, yeah, but you see the head coach maybe like 30% of the time, right? He's right. not talking to you every day. Strength and conditioning coach is the one that probably, you probably see more than the head coach. Um, so things like that, I think, would be negotiated with a collective bargaining. Um, and yeah, that, that'd be my thing from day one to be like, all right, everybody has a player rep. Everybody, you know, you have your committee, you have all this stuff, you have a comp, you can have a conference rep. I don't care. Like I would establish a player's union and, uh, yeah. And they would, I guess like that's, I guess the czar would like you would, you, I guess you would pitch to the czar or whatever. I guess you would mm-hmm. collectively bargain with the, between the institutions and the players, things like that. So that'd it would mine. give the colleges a lot more leeway in terms of like giving benefits to the players sure. and stuff like yeah, that. Then all of a sudden NIL could go through a department at Texas and like mm-hmm. you could have somebody watching that to make sure these kids are actually getting paid what they're promised. So that's like you, contracts you, you expand compliance broke. basically right. to like include like NIL and things right. like that. And yeah, a hundred percent. Like yeah. I would be for that. So yeah, mine kind of is a, I liked your I liked your like so. taking it as a football czar, not just like yeah. with your first. Rule oh my change. god, yeah, no, fundamental. Yeah. I will set the precedent because people will see how great it is, right? And then they'll trickle down <laughs> to high school and I'll go up to pros. It's the dumbest rule in sports. I will. That's that, I, I've always stuck by. What do you think about mine? I would just eliminate the kickoff. I like that. You, well, sc- you score I, a touchdown, right? I, you either yes. choose seven point touchdown or you get mm-hmm. to go for two, right? No extra point uh-huh. crap. Sure, and then. <laughs> You just, you just, the next team gets the ball to 25 and you start it. I will, I'll, I'll buck kicks back are done. on this. Concussions. Yes. That, yeah. That's, that's why. But I think the XFL did it right. Do you remember the XFL? Yeah. Okay. The XFL, they had the 10 yard in between. And so you don't get the build up to clash. It was like, that's I think right. you're separated by 10 yards and you basically, yeah, it's, it's almost like, it's not, it's, it's like not far enough to be like a, like a lineman hitting. So it's not even that impact, but you're also trying to, there's no, there's no like wedges. There's no anything. It's just lines, two lines of people, 10 yards apart or five yards. I can't remember. And it's just very, it's very safe. And by the way, the one time they had a kickoff return for touchdown was awesome because it's just like, it's so much harder to navigate through that. I think that's the way, cause I'm also a fan of kickoffs. Um, but I also realize that it's, probably the most uh, a punt return is the most dangerous but yeah uh those are the two most dangerous plays in football are the kickoffs and punts so i wouldn't want to get rid of them but definitely i think the xfl was on the right track mine's a timing issue like I, i'm yeah, gonna be yeah. i'm gonna be the guy who loves football but says it's too long yeah, yeah, yeah. right because i fair. think both of those things can be true mm-hmm. but like and i know they use it for commercials you score a touchdown they go to commercial right, break right. you come back you kick an extra point you go to commercial break you kick off the ball you go to commercial break that's right. the part that kills me it's just like put the football down let's Just play. <laughs> yeah. like, that's the, the guy with like, the red jacket off the sideline like, 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 like high school yeah. college <laughs> high school you're just like oh, oh this is great this yeah. is like you, yep. know, you get an hour and a half game going through you're just oh man college you're like i'm gonna be here for like it's 58 uh-huh. to 57 like let's go like <laughs> too like, many commercials these they guys, start running the same commercial four times 30 yards out of the end zone anyway it's like 11 p.m watching, i've been here since six right, i'm just like, watching touchbacks yeah, like let's exactly. line up and play some football nobody cares about the kickers like, let's go there you go it's not soccer and i love <laughs> no. soccer but like come on did y'all uh, yeah. ever go to any xfl games 
I didn't like know. a Renegades game. Okay, no, I went I two. No. I wanted I wanted to go this. I want because that was when uh, that was when Globe Life was first converted yep. to the field. So I actually wanted to go to see. It all was that. awesome. I um, saw the Renegades and the Roughnecks play. So Houston and oh, Dallas. Nice. So yeah, that, was that was a was really actually, that was, I was about to say that was with a, uh, PJ Walker at quarterback yeah. for the uh, Roughnecks. They were of so course better. they did. <laughs> Oh, shoot. <laughs> I set myself up. Another Houston <laughs> win over Dallas. Imagine that. Who would have ever thought that? Food, people, traffic. Hey, you know who the backup quarterback was for the Roughnecks? Probably uh, no. It was uh, Connor Cook, former Michigan oh State goodness. standout wow. quarterback. We're just loading up the talent so, over there. I was, I was like, in my head, I was like thinking it had to be like a Texas high school football right, quarterback. Right, right. Oh, right, no, no. Course. You should have known me. You should have yeah. known me. Do you know me by now? Gore's the Michigan State. Oh, God, man. Yeah. Except they had something going there. We'll see what happens. What are your What are your Michigan State thoughts for the year? Oh, Yeah. Well, speaking of transfers, we just got, yeah, we just got like three, like really good uh, running backs from the, from the portal. So, you know how well that worked out the last time we picked up a transfer. Mr. Portal. We talk about, we talk about Lane Kiffin a lot. He hit it hard and it's, it's really exciting. I think there's a couple of chances we get some five stars from the 2023 class. So I'm really excited. I think we're. I think we've got a shot at the title in a couple of years. I'm not even. Not even kidding with you guys. Like I'm not, that's not me like, like being it. like a super fan, you know. Sure, because sure, I sure. know. I know when we're bad, and I'll admit that. Yeah. I'll. I know when we're bad, but yeah. I really feel optimistic about Mel Tucker. And I mean, I met him. Like. Yeah. Y'all I told him. I said oh, exactly. He's my buddy. I'm gonna get him on here next time. So if you see if you see <laughs> a random <laughs> random out of the we'll talk to Mel podcast, Tucker whenever he'd like to come on. Yeah. We'll I'll let you know. I told him. You know, when I met him, I said, Mallory Hartley, Dave Campbell's Texas football. <laughs> I really did. <laughs> if you do pitch it to him, you should pitch it as like, uh, you know, this will give you a little Texas market for recruiting yeah, and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, That's yeah. what I'm saying. You know, he follows our Dave Campbell's account. So oh, I was like, if I shoot, say this. Shoot, it out shoot that DM out there. Exactly. Hey, we talk about Michigan State a lot. I'm the producer of the show. It's the summer. So like, you know, it's like the time we could do it. Do you mind, you know? Like, yeah doing a make a wish for for me and, and being on <laughs> yeah and being on our podcast i know I, I really i really want michigan state to schedule like a, a texas game yeah. you know so so that could be my my in you know in a way but they just they don't yeah well, just maybe we can get but... michigan state versus north texas to be a yearly oh man Ooh. who would you root for I don't want to say. Oh, because... I know, because you know the answer. You know the answer, hundred <laughs> percent. Man, I tried to, wa- I tried to walk her right into that. <laughs> I tried to walk her right into that. There was a chance they would have played in basketball. Yes, uh, in the tournament, the first everybody round. Was, everybody was uh, the bracket. A lot of brackets had them playing in the first round. If North Texas probably would have made it, they would have mm-hmm. played. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so and she made it very clear who she would have rooted for then. And so. we don't have to say it on we the air because so. <laughs> because I may make a little bit of uh, you can, you controversy. Can make your own assumptions based on <laughs> that. So, uh, <laughs> 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 yes, yes, very sick cough. No. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. With that, we will leave it there for this week. Like I said, next week we will continue our interview series. We will have David Bailiff of Texas A&M Commerce, uh, one of our other favorite personalities in the state, a uh, longtime staple of the state, really. I mean, honestly, we're talking about just like coaching icons. I mean, it's hard yeah. to get better than David Bailiff. Yeah, he's either like coached or coached with like yeah. a lot of like the greats and tech. Like, he, like he's like the Kevin Bacon. Yeah, <laughs> of like coaching in the state, <laughs> yep. whereas like you have a connection Six to David Bailey, right? but you yeah. you have one, like right. I have one, right, you know, right, like yeah. everyone has one. So, yeah, well, it'll be fun to talk to him next week. So we'll leave it there. Um, yeah, we'll just try to get this magazine done, basically. In the yeah. meantime, so we'll be uh, <laughs> reading, reading, redlining, writing. highlighting, <laughs> writing, all that stuff. So we'll hopefully get you guys that thing. I'm straight. 
Yeah, I was about to say, you're good. You send all your stuff, and you're just reading now. So that's great. That's great. Yeah, okay, Mr. Cocky over here. All right, well, we will leave it there. For Before I have I have to go, like, change everything. Yeah, no, transfer no, portal. Get, like, this stuff, this transfers in. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm, like, gloating until, like, I look at my phone. And it's like, oh, well, there goes another section. <laughs> With that, we will leave it. Uh, for Mike and Mallory, I'm Mr. Will Johnson. Remember to like, follow, subscribe, all that stuff. Uh, on Apple, mu- App- Apple Music uh, Podcasts. Spotify. Remember to follow us on Twitter. Everybody here has a personal Twitter account. I don't want to name them all, but uh, <laughs> you get the picture. Uh, follow our main accounts. Follow the college football account. All that stuff. And we will talk to you guys next week.